cars toppled, buildings entirely crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I, I really need to leave. So the fences inform me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I, I see some people running now. In the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. episode of Aquaman and Firestorm, the Fire and Water Podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag. Along with me again is my co-host, the long-lost Rob Kelly. How you doing, buddy? I Long lost? I've been here. You're the one <laughs> who's been out. Count the episodes, buddy, so I don't get what that's about. Long lost. Uh, you did five, I did three, so it's not like I was That I would be more around, then, buddy. wouldn't it? You did do more then, but don't imply that I wasn't here at all. Oh my gosh, it's like it, we were never apart. I cannot believe this. We're on the air, what, five seconds, and you're already being a pain in my butt. <sighs> so glad you're here, pal. Has it only been two months? Really? <laughs> oh my gosh, it has been two months, folks, since Rob and I recorded together. Uh, you probably picked up you know, from the subtext in the episodes, there was a pretty serious court case that had to be settled between the two of us, and I'm happy to announce it's over. We settled out of court. I uh, I got the better end of the deal. Woohoo! Thank you very much. Well, I get Gutierrez uh, during the week, and you get them on weekends. Hey, I only need him two days a week, so <laughs> it's all I can take. Him. I make him go to school. You get to do ice cream. It's really not terribly fair, right. but okay. Yeah. I'm the Disney dad, so <laughs> and uh, we are back, and we are doing something that we're I think we're both very excited about, which is we decided, you know, after all this time apart, and doing lots of other stuff, and we've had episodes about the Justice League, we've had Golden Age Aquaman, we've had uh, Doctor Who, we decided we want to get back to basics, talk about two of our favorite characters, Aquaman and Firestorm, and talk about why we love them. So that's why this title, this episode is entitled Why We Love Aquaman and Firestorm. So, I'm excited to get to this topic. I can't wait. But before we do that, we should probably take a second to thank our sponsor. Folks, this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping on orders of $50 or more. Now, given that the theme of this episode is why we love Aquaman and Firestorm, Rob, why don't you go ahead and tell them about your Aquaman book you picked? Yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> For, for some reason, I've been kind of interested about reading about partnerships that, that started out great and then kind of faded away. So I picked up 
uh, Power Man and Iron Fist Epic Collection Trade Paperback Heroes for Hire. Oh wow! Uh, which collects Power Man and Iron Fist number Power Man numbers forty eight and forty nine, and then Power Man and Iron Fist numbers fifty through seventy. The cover artist is Dave Cockrum. It's one of the great key pieces of artwork featuring Power Man and Iron Fist. They take on, they meet uh, Misty Knight, Colleen Wing, the X Men, the Daughters of the Dragon. Villains are like Nightshade, Bushmaster, Sabretooth, all these super cool. I used to love this book. It was one of my favorites. It's just a really great, great comic. And of course, there's the Luke Cage series on Netflix right now, and they're going to be doing Iron Fist soon. So Power Man and Iron Fist are back in a big way. Uh, the normal price is thirty nine ninety nine. It's four hundred and forty eight. Full color pages. I know that's a sweet Christmas. That's a giant book. The Insuck Marvel, trade... Marvel does not screw around. No, they do not. The Insuck trades price is twenty three dollars and nineteen cents. That's forty two percent off. There's stuff in there by John Byrne, Chris Claremont, Trevor Vaught Eden, Ryan's favorite. Uh, it's just uh, a lot of really great stuff. So check it out. Permanent Iron Fist Epic Collection trade paperback. Heroes for Hire. That's awesome. That is really really cool. Now to keep it in line with all of the current, you know. Uh, Marvel shows like you're doing, we're talking about uh, Luke Cage. I've also picked a trade paperback similar. Fury of Firestorm trade paperback volume three. Uh, <laughs> uh, takeover. This is from the New 52. It is volume three, which may seem a little odd to promote, but this is the trade paperback uh, done by Dan Jurgens. This is where they took Firestorm and tried to return him to somewhat of a more iconic status, where it was Ronnie and Jason merged together as one being, having a lot of fun adventures. It really was a return to uh, some fun, fun Firestorm stories after a couple of dark years. This reprints issues 13 through 20, where they fight a bunch of supervillains, including Multiplex and uh, Project Nowhere and uh, all of his villains, including Caitlin Snow and uh, Art... Rit- Sorry. Well, I should say Killer Frost, but, you know, the Caitlin Snow version at that point. Uh, writer and artist Dan Jurgens. Page count 176 pages. Full color. Normally retails for $16.99. You can get it on in-stock trades right now for 45% off, which is $9.34. Heck of a deal. Uh, both of those books are lots of fun. I haven't read the Power Man Iron Fist, Iron Fist issues myself. I've always wanted to, and that sounds like an incredible collection. It's a fun comic. It was a really fun comic. I bought them when I was a kid. They, it's just they, I love those both those two characters, and they're really fun stories. Well, I, I loved that you know uh, Claremont and Byrne did a lot of those early Iron Fist issues together, which is almost like reading a it, it, like an, it's almost like reading an X Men comic you never read, you know, because of them together and that leading into the Power Man stuff. Oh, that's got to be awesome. So, so folks, head over to InStockTrades.com to get those books, folks. They are your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions. Hey, and when you go there. Go up to the Contact Us button and let them know you heard about them on the Fire and Water podcast. Woo! All right, buddy. Well, uh, before we get rolling on our love, uh, big, 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 fat love fest, there's some news to share. Do you want to tell the folks about the Aquaman news? Uh, Yeah, well, there's been a couple things. There hasn't been a lot of news on the movie, which is a little surprising considering they're going forward. There's been some stuff about what the villains are going to be involved, but nothing nothing concrete uh, just yet. But on the comic book side, of course, DC finally did the solicit for Aquaman, a a celebration of 75 years, the big hardcover book. I mean, they did one for Superman, they did one for Batman, they're doing one for Wonder Woman, and Aquaman is getting one too, which is fantastic. Uh, it's mostly going to be a collection of just reprinted stories. Um, some of the stories that are going to be included are more fun comics 73, which is his first appearance, which we just covered on the show with uh, I covered with Ryan Daly a couple of episodes ago. A whole bunch of adventure comics that uh, R- Ramona Fraden and I think even some that John Daly did, which is great because John Daly is to me is like one of the, the unsung Aquaman artist. 
Aquaman 1962 series issues 1, 18, and 40. JLA hmm. Annual number two. Uh, <laughs> Aquaman. Aquaman. Just like Detroit, baby. Yeah, D- Detroit. Um, the uh, Aquaman miniseries by uh, Neil Posner, Craig Hamilton, number three. Uh, Aquaman. Uh, number three? Yeah, they're picking kind of weird stuff. Uh, and then the one that's really baffling is from the the most recent series, not the one that's going on now, but the one before it. They're doing number one, which of course makes sense. That's by Jeff Johns and Ivan Reese yep. and Joe Prado. But then number 43, which was a Cullen Bunn issue. Oh, That one is just baffling. That they would pick that one to go in there. But uh, but they are, and I'm just that's happy. uh that's got to be a case of when this book was commissioned. I, I bet because it was probably commissioned when he was still on the book. I bet. Maybe so, but anyway, I'm very happy that Aquaman is getting this, and this will be a nice big book. You get to see it, and well, if there were bookstores anymore, they'd have one. But, uh, but in theory, <laughs> the book uh, this will make a great Christmas gift for the Aquaman fan in your life, and you can get it over on I ordered over on Amazon. Like I said, it's called Aquaman: A Celebration of Seventy Five Years. So, for the Aquaman fan in your life, does does that mean is that is that you putting a call out there for someone to buy it for you? Or? <laughs> yes, I'm tr- strongly suggesting to all the nuclear subs out there that you could pull your money and, and get me this book. <laughs> Rob's got his own uh, Amazon page where you can go to his wish list. <laughs> <laughs> So I got a question about the Aquaman movie. I I noticed that Amber Heard is still connected to the project as Mara. Yeah. I thought with all the stuff and her divorce and the accusations and the the, the weight loss and all, I thought she was off the part. Nope, I have not heard that. That's great. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that was just an unsubstantiated rumor. Yeah. So that's fantastic. Yep. Good deal. Well, I've got a couple of pieces of Firestorm news to share real quick. Um, one is in the last couple of weeks, two, count them, two Firestorm action figures have come out. Uh, what do they say? It's like um, when it rains, it pours. You know, we, we go for, for years without any Aquaman, or any Firestorm action figures, and now we just, you know, we're tripping over them. So the first one that came out was a DC Comics Icons figure, which are these really, really cool, very articulated series that DC's putting out. They've got a lot of figures out in this line right now. They, the, in this same wave came Static, John Stewart, and um, the Joker, and it's designed by Ivan Reese, which is the, who did the design for this Firestorm figure, which is very nice. Sculpt by Paul Harding, and it looks great. He's super, super duper shiny. This is the Firestorm from the New 52, the later years, like the, the Dan Jorgens era, or even the Legends of Tomorrow comic that we just reviewed recently. This is that version of Firestorm. He looks fantastic. Uh, the colors are nice pop, pop nice. The, the, the chest symbols, you know, the the little red planets and stuff on his chest are made of sort of a translucent plastic. That translucent head fire looks great. Comes with all co- kinds of awesome, like explosive atomic th- things that go on the hand. It's a really, really nice figure. So you can get that at your local comic book shop. Again, it's DC Comics icons and uh, very, very attractive. The other one that just came out is uh, you know those pop figures, those little cute. They're sort of like bobbleheads, but the heads don't move. They're the the big headed characters. Mm-hmm. You see them every, okay. They just came out with a, a, a new one, uh, Pop Television. So, it, and it's DC's Legends of Tomorrow. It's Pop Figure, I guess the DC's Pop Figure 381. That's how many of these crazy pop figures there are out there. Anyway, it is the ja- uh, Jackson. Wait, am I getting his name right? Jax. J A X. I mean, you know, Jax. He's on Firestorm and Legends Tomorrow. It is one of these pop figures of him, and it looks really good actually like i've got the other firestorm which is the classic firestorm pop and then you've got this new one with jacks and honestly the sculpt on the jacks one's actually a little bit better it's more detailed the fire hair looks even better than the other firestorm one it's a cool little toy you know legends of tomorrow jacks isn't necessarily 
my Firestorm. I think the guy's doing a nice job, but my, you know, my Firestorm's Ronnie and the Professor. But it's it's a really nice figure, and it looks great on the shelf next to the other one. So pick that one up as well, folks. You can get that one. Uh, you know, it, it it will be coming to comic shops soon. It's definitely at your like your books and millions and your hot topics right now. God, all this Firestorm plastic. It's crazy, man. I'm kind of surprised that there's no toy line for Flash Legends of Tomorrow Supergirl. There is. Well, no, but I mean like in a Target and stuff, like a mass market thing. I'm t- I know that they have them in comic stores. No, so they're, in, they're in Targets. It's, um, I guess it's called like the DC oh, – there's a lot of toy collectors that listen to this show, so I'm getting this wrong, guys. Forgive me. I think it's called like the DC Multiverse line, and it lets them produce whatever figures they want. But is it based uh, off the TV show? Yeah, they well, they have like you know in that same multiverse line, you might get a Dark Knight Returns Batman, but then you'll get a uh, Stephen uh, Amell Arrow. Figure. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, and they have Flash ones. Okay. Um, I don't know that I've seen a Supergirl. There must be one though. I, I don't know that I've seen it, but there's got to be one, I'm sure. Hmm. And uh, yeah, they have lots. Of, now they they haven't. They're they have solicited a Firestorm one with Jax, but I think that's going to comic book shops. I don't think that's going to be okay. in the targets yet, but it'll probably find its way, I'm sure. Okay. Uh, other piece of Firestorm news, which is not specifically about Firestorm, but one of his ancillary characters, Killer Frost. This is pretty big news. Uh, Killer Frost, you know, Killer Frost, the, the, her name, you know, it's right there in the name, Killer. The woman whose power is to absorb heat from other living creatures and murder them and kill them because she's a murderer. She's a murdering murderess that murders. And she is joining the Justice League. Look at that. So, uh... I say that as sarcastically as possible. Sorry, folks, because I'm just I'm a little <laughs> befuddled about this. <laughs> so, yes, uh, Killer Frost has been named as the fourth member of this new team that's going to be launching in February called Justice League of America. So we'll have Justice League and we'll have Justice League of America. <laughs> and uh, How many print- books have been called that at this point? I know, I know. And this one's going to spin out of this big crossover in January. There's a Justice League versus Suicide Squad event in January, and uh, there will be four one-shots that come out. It'll be Justice League of America Killer Frost, Justice League of America Vixen, Justice League of America Adam, which is Ryan Choi, by the way, and Justice League of America uh, The Ray, which is um, Ray Terrell, which is, I, I love that version of The Ray. So it's an interesting team and what they're producing. I'm not sure quite what the deal is, but essentially Killer Frost has been on the Suicide Squad, and apparently she's done a number of missions, and you remember the deal with the Suicide Squad is, if you do a number of missions, you reduce your time, right? Well, apparently she reduces it and gets paroled. So <laughs> I, I don't know that they've ever done that story where someone actually got to serve out their sentence on the Suicide Squad. I'm not sure. So she's set for parole from Belle Reve and or Belle Rev, however you say it. And Amanda Waller's not happy about it. And she really doesn't want her to take her place on the new Justice League of America team. And that's where that, that special is going to go in and they go into the series. I'm It's the Caitlin Snow version of Killer Frost, which is why I kind of get why they're doing it. I mean, let's face it. Everyone loves Caitlin uh, Snow on the Flash series. Daniel Pennebaker is just absolutely adorable, and when she's Killer Frost, she's absolutely sexy. And I could see why they'd want to make Caitlin Snow a bigger player in the DC Universe and really play up her scientific side. But I'm just having a hard time swallowing the whole killer aspect of the character. I mean, and also, if you look at this, the, the pattern here, you know, Captain Cold joining the Justice League. Killer Frost is joining Justice League of America. Does that mean Icicle's going to join the JSA when they come back? <laughs> Got to kind of wonder. So, But watch for that in January. Uh, it'll be... Again, uh, Killer Frost at Justice League of America. Actually, I guess it's the other way around. Justice League of America, Killer Frost. And that'll be out January 18th, written by Steve Orlando, uh, along with Jody Hauser. And Mirka Andolfo will illustrate it, hmm. with Ivan Reese producing the cover, which we've all seen, which looks yes. amazing. So, 
very cool to see some of the Firestorm characters get in play. I wish Firestorm was out there somewhere. He is nowhere currently in the DC landscape. But uh, the Legends of Tomorrow has been solicited as a trade paperback, by the way, the Firestorm segment. Most of them have been, actually, but I haven't seen a Sugar and Spike trade paperback solicited mm, yet. Have you? No, I, I'm not paying super close attention, but no, I haven't seen it. That's... Well, I, well, I, I would be very searching. upset if that doesn't happen. Well, I know. Considering Firestorm's being traded, I'm pretty sure I saw Metal Men and Metamorpho. I mean, I can't promise that, but I think I did. So I was like, where's Sugar and Spike? What the? You know, I thought, then I realized, oh, I bet they're getting like a, um, one of those giant oversized hardcovers, you know, Supreme Edition or whatever oh, they call them. Don't, don't. It deserves it, doesn't it? It absolutely deserves it. Okay. Um, one I, do, more thing. I do have to thank you for getting me. I think we haven't recorded since you got me the Sugar and Spike Archive edition for my birthday. I which did. I, a, thank you very much, and B, I loved it. And we're talking classic uh, Sugar and Spike. Yeah, the original Sheldon yeah. Mayer Sugar and Spike. Yes. Was it was it as fun as it, it should have been? Yeah, they're they're oh. they're. I mean, they're not meant to be read back to back to back like that. And, right. And so I and I didn't read them like that. I read like one or two and then put it aside and then went back to it. So, but it's it's great having them all together like that. It's a very handsome volume. So thank you. Cool. Well, happy birthday. So, in the spirit of nuclear subs and our friends and the collection of people we've met over the years and me traveling around the country and meeting a ton of people, which I've been doing by the way, I am proposing that a bunch of us get together next year at a convention, actually go to a comic convention and as many nuclear subs as possible, as many people connected to the network as possible, as many other podcasters who are not connected to the network that we know as possible to catch up and hang out together at Heroes Convention, which is in Charlotte, North Carolina. The dates are June 16th to 18th, 2017. It's Father's Day weekend. Might be a bit of a problem. I checked with my wife. She said, fine, it's a Father's Day present to yourself. I went, woohoo. So I will be there. Heroes Con, June 16th through 18th, 2017, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I challenge you folks to show up as well. Uh, at the end of this episode, you can go out to our website, which is what, Robin? Fireandwaterpodcast.com. Yep. And in the comments, let us know if you're going to be there at Heroes Convention, and we will try to put together a hell of a gathering, hell of a party or something, and all of us can hang out. It would be awesome. That so. would be a lot of fun. That really it really would be. It really would be. So I challenge all of you. And I've been, I've been spreading the word. I've already got commitments from a few people. I don't want to call them out because it's not really my place to do that. But I've got some commitments from some people. So uh, it will be fun to get as many people together as we can and have a great time. So I do hope to be there. I, I'm not an ogre. I do actually go outside <laughs> and meet people. So I would. I, I can't obviously guarantee it because it's ways away and there's a lot of crazy things. But I certainly would love to do it. That would be a lot of fun. I used well, to love I, going to Comic-Cons. I used to go to them all the time. They were a lot of fun. Well, that's part of the reason I picked Heroes Convention, because from what I understand, it's one of the last actual comic conventions out there. Most everything's become pop, cult, pop culture conventions. Right, yes. Um, and I've got some good news. I think Ryan knows a guy that can get that ankle bracelet off you, Rob. And which would allow you to get out of the house and actually come to the convention. So we'll just see if that that would be very nice. I can I, I it works for my run. I can do my five miles, and but once I go past that, and it starts beeping, and I risk yeah. having it explode, blow my right. leg off like that scene in Legends. <laughs> Absolutely can't have that. So, well, folks, we have yattered on long enough. Let's get to it. We are here to talk about why we love. Aquaman and Firestorm. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to share our origin stories with each of the cover, with each of the characters, that is. And uh, now some of this, you know, over the course of the last five years of this show, um, actually, we just had a birthday, didn't we? We um, did. We passed our fifth anniversary sort of unremarked upon. Oh, my gosh. Wow. 
Okay. So over the course of five years, we've probably said a lot of this. So some of this is going to be a bit of a repeat. But really, did, A, did you really listen to anything I said? Probably not. No. Did you commit any of it to memory? Oh, hell no. No. And you know what? We're here to celebrate the characters. What better way to say why we love them? Rob, you want to start off with your origin story for either Aquaman or Firestorm, your choice? Uh, my Firestorm origin story isn't much of one. I really discovered him probably the first. I mean, I don't have, you know, like a memory of like, oh, who's this? But probably the first Firestorm comic I ever read was Justice League number 179, where he joins mm-hmm. the team. I bought it. It's a beloved mountain comic. Uh, I bought it. <laughs> I bought it off of one of the shadier newsstand vendors up there who was selling comics without the covers. Oh, so, I know. <laughs> In small towns, there's there's lots of corruption. Uh, so I, I bought the comic, and it didn't have the cover. And so for many years, that was the edition I had. But that was probably the first time I ever saw Firestorm. And so I always, you know, thought of him as a member of the Justice League. And I always, I always liked him. I've never been that huge a fan. I did buy the solo comic. Uh, I didn't really catch him on Super Friends Galactic Guardians because that was I, I, that was the point I was like getting a little too old I felt to watch that show and so I probably didn't catch that. Uh, I had the uh, Superpowers figure though that didn't stop me because like, those were so cool. Awesome um, looking figure. Oh, it's a beautiful. Oh, that whole line too. We already covered that on the show, but man, that whole line one and line two. Oh, the best toys ever. Uh, but that so the Firestorm is probably JLA. That's probably the beginning of, of Firestorm. For Aquaman, I've never known a time where I didn't have Aquaman in my life. Uh, I think I probably saw. If I really go back, it would have to be the Super Friends or the Filmation Show. I watched those when we lived in Philadelphia in our row home. See, I'm not Richie Rich, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I mean we own the block, but I mean it was in row home. But uh, I, I always watched <laughs> that we keep the undesirables out. We uh, we had the, the the cartoons on, and I. I I just watched them incessantly. So that was probably my first memory. And then the comics probably came very soon after that. And, you know, um, we, again, we, we, we have talked about this on the show before, but it, part of it is the secondary colors. I'm a, I mean, you look at the Super Friends, and who's the one that stands out? I mean, other than Wonder Woman, because you're like, oh, Wonder Woman. But, I mean, Aquaman stands out <laughs> because of his color scheme. You know, I mean, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Robin are all the same color scheme. Aquaman stands out. He's the one that stands out. And in my own sort of personal artwork, I tend to like using tertiary or secondary colors. So he stands out. And the whole water thing, I'm terrified of the water. I'm also in awe of it. Mm -hmm. Um, We go down to – Darling Tracy and I go down to the beach uh, as often as we can. And I just love sitting in the water and letting – you know, I'm like scared of it because it's sharks and stuff and it's scary stuff. But but I, but I, I love it, and I love a guy who's not afraid of that. Like, he commands it. Um, when I had Laura Jovag on from the Aquaman, she talked about how much she loved Aquaman and the fact that he can be anywhere. He can exist anywhere on the planet. He's not limited to just being on land or on sea. And that's to, to her, that was very powerful, and I agree with that. And his whole environmental bent. I've always been an animal person since I was a young child and, and a hero that, that cares so specifically for the, the creatures of the sea that appeals to me deeply. It appealed to me as a kid and it appeals to me now. And so, you know, it's just everything's wrapped up in that. And the fact that he's, you know, up until now, now he's a big star. He's always been sort of put upon, you know, he sometimes he didn't have his own series and, he was kind of the off-brand member of the Justice League and things like that. And so it's like I always had that thing for him of like, this guy's unappreciated. And I've always loved him. And it's just all that stuff. And that was the stuff that I, I, I 
hit me very straight. I mean, I had the toys too. That was probably a bigger, a big deal. Was that there were Aquaman toys? You know, there was a lot of there was Amigo. There was three different, three or four different Amigo Aquaman toys to have. So I get to like play with him and get be him and stuff like that. So that, all that stuff was really cool. He was available in merchandise. I mean, it just all wrapped up, and it's never left me. Um, our our quote unquote friend Diablo Frank has talked about um, <laughs> that thing he calls chasing the dragon. You know, yeah. where it's like you're you're desperately trying to reclaim that feeling that you had when you first encountered something or when you really strongly encountered something. And I think that's entirely accurate. I would love to have that feeling reading any current Aquaman comic that I had when I was younger. Um, but I and I haven't really been able to, to reclaim that much. Some of the moments of Jeff Johns and even Ivan Reese and Joe Prado's run, I, I think, got close. But I am always kind of chasing that. But I will never give up. You know, if there's an Aquaman comic, I'll, I'll get it just because I'm just so devoted to the character. That's awesome. And I think you answered just questions one and two there. But we'll see. <laughs> when, we'll see when we get to number two. <laughs> My origin story for Firestorm is actually rather short. Now you mentioned Aquaman. Like you, you can't peg back to the time when you you couldn't remember before the Super Friends. I know you yeah. said that many times. And for me, I I'm, I have a pretty good idea when I became a Firestorm fan. It was. Um, let's see if I can. Maybe make it less vague. Okay, let's go with September 8th, 1984, about 9 o'clock in the morning. It's about when it happened. Uh, it was when he appeared on Super Friends, legendary superpowers team. And he was in the first episode of the season, Bride of, uh, of Darkseid. And I just saw – now, I had seen his image before at the comic shop. Or not the comic shop. I, didn't, I don't think I even discovered a comic shop yet. I'm sorry. Uh, at the convenience store. But um, I, I saw I'd seen you know his face before. You couldn't you couldn't miss that you know guy with the head on fire. He was kind of hard. Very to miss. distinctive. Yep. And so he appeared on the Super Friends cartoon, and I got to see you know Ronnie Raymond and Professor Stein. They 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 really went out of their way to introduce the character big time in that episode. He, you know they had the merging, they had the set, the fission, the fusion. They talk, talked about the characters, and you got to see some of his crazy powers. He was really the hero of the episode, and really stayed that way throughout most of the season. But I watched that episode. I was immediately like, just like, wow, this guy is cool. And I had become a comic book collector just about six months before that. I had started becoming what I considered a collector in about March of 1984 with Secret Wars, the Secret Wars miniseries. And it was about almost halfway through this, or I was on issue two is when I became a fan. Anyway, um, and so here I was thinking, okay, I'm a comic collector. I buy comics now. I love this character. I remember at the convenience store there was some issues of Firestorm sitting on the shelf. So I pedaled my little bike right up to the convenience store, right after Super Friends, and found a copy of uh, Fury of Firestorm number 28, which had been on the shelves for over two months. It was a bit beat, but I didn't care. And I bought it, and absolutely, I took it home, absolutely fell in love with it. And by the way, folks, that is an amazing issue because it is not only the very first appearance of, <laughs> that's right, Slipknot. Movie star. That's right. Slipknot. It, it is also the next Firestorm comic we will be covering on our monthly episodes where we cover comics, uh, believe it or not, because we are up to that point. So uh, I read that Slipknot issue, absolutely loved the Firestorm character, thought he was great. I mean, that cover by Raphael Keenan to this day, I still love it, where Slipknot's got Firestorm and you know, got a rope around his neck and everything. It's awesome. Anyway, um, I liked it so much, I pedaled my bike right back up to that convenience store because I remember there was another issue on the shelf. Issue 30 was there. So I bought issue 30 as well. Uh, about the mind boggler, oof, and um, <laughs> <laughs> not a movie star, not a movie star. That is correct, and uh, just that was it. I was in. I was fully invested in the character, and I'll talk about more in a minute, just of why I love the character. But that was it. That was my origin story for Firestorm. Now for Aquaman, 
Uh, I remember him from the Super Friends, like you mentioned. I thought he was really cool. He had such a unique sounding voice. And, you know, I, I don't know that I was interested in voice acting at the time, but it's really become a big part of my life now. I listen to a lot of audio dramas and um, basically I don't listen to the radio. I just listen to audio stuff. And so uh, his voice just really has always stood out to me. I know he's, uh, he's got a greeting on your website that says, Welcome to the Aquaman Shrine, and I believe he's passed away now. Is that correct? Yeah, well, there were two. There were two Super Friends Aquaman. First was Norman Alden, and that was the gentleman that I interviewed, and he's the one who does the greeting. And then mm-hmm. there was uh, a Dale Messick, I believe, who, who followed up after I could be... Uh, shoot, I should know this. Um... But uh, you, Norman Alden is the one who did it for a long while, so it was probably that's, Norman That's Alden. the one I remember, absolutely. Yeah. Like when I listen to the greeting on your website, that is definitely the voice if, I remember. He has a very distinct. If anyone is interested in seeing Norman Alden, all of you listening, I'm sure you've seen Back to the Future. Norman Alden is the guy who uh, is the uh, soda jerk that Marty McFly tries to order the tab from. And he says, no I way. I can't give you a tab unless you order something. That's Norman Alden. That's Aquaman? Mm-hmm, that's Aquaman. That is the coolest thing he ever. Also, he also plays Bill, the colorblind cameraman in Ed Wood, one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> what a trip. Oh, my gosh. Now that you say that, I can hear it. I can hear and In my yeah. head, I can hear the voice connecting. That's oh. Aquaman. That's Aquaman. Wow. Okay. So, well, I, I, I was instantly attracted to Aquaman and the Super Friends. Now, that was where I first – I'm going to go further. I'm going to talk about when I became an Aquaman fan versus just my first exposure to him. Um, so on the two episodes that come to mind with Challenge of the Super Friends, uh, or, or Super Friends in general that always stuck with me, was The Time Trap, which is the episode where I, – I know you love this one. Aquaman gets thrown back in time, and he, he decides to bury his communicator because he knows what the half-life of the battery is. And they bury it on the site where the Hall of Justice will be so that they can get saved. So the, the Justice League find it. They sense it, and they go, hey, wait a minute. He's gone back in time to this exact time period. They go back in time and rescue him. It's brilliant. It's a wonderful episode. And I just always thought, it's like, well, Aquaman's so smart. And then there's the other one where he uh, – I don't remember the name of the episode, but where he got zapped by some ray and he actually devo- devolved uh, rather than evolve. He devolved into some sort of like shark-like creature um, he was like, you know, or, a, or a whale either way. But I remember that one very distinctly because it freaked me out because I'm like, Aquaman didn't devolve into like a caveman. He devolved into a fish creature. Wow, he's not even human. You know, it just kind of stuck with me. So anyway, as time went by, oddly enough, and I don't know if I've ever actually talked about this on the show, I did not follow Aquaman as a fan. Instead, I actually became a Namor fan. <laughs> oh, my um, God. This, I'm I know. just learning this. I know. In 1984, I bought the Namor miniseries that came out because it was at the convenience store. And this was you know, the same year I discovered Firestorm and everything, so I was becoming a comic collector. And it was a number one, by goodness sake. You had to buy it. And it was – anyways, I think it was like Prince Namor the Submariner was the miniseries. And it was a, it was a beautifully drawn miniseries. And um, I started buying some reprints I found from like I think Tales to Astonish or something like that. So I had, I had a good five, six, seven Namor comics. And back then, that was a, that was a collection. You know, and uh, and I remember actually being at a friend's house. He had a swimming pool, and we had one too. But I don't know why. I distinctly remember his house, and I remember sitting on the bottom of the pool because back then, when you're when you're a kid, you could just sink to the bottom of the pool. I don't know how. Now I'm old and fat, and I just float. But back then, I, I could actually sink to the bottom of the pool and sit there. And I just remember sitting on the bottom of the pool for like a long time, just looking around and just thinking, "This is the coolest." Being able to breathe underwater and just sitting at the bottom of the pool for hours would be the greatest power. And then I would like, you know, kick off from the bottom and try and burst out of the, you know, the pool like you know, push, explosive reality. Was I was probably just some nerd bobbing to the top, but in my mind, I was bursting out of the pool, you know, like 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 Namor. 
So then around 1986, uh, this is where you might you know, get a little more interested, Rob, the Neil Posner, Craig Hamilton miniseries came out of, of Aquaman. And I thought, oh, yeah, I kind of like that Aquaman guy. And I wanted to get on the ground floor again. So I picked up number one. And the, just, I mean, the, the art alone in that thing is just gorgeous. And I always thought the camo costume was really cool. I thought I felt like I was getting in on the post-crisis version of Aquaman. I was really excited about this. But my, my fandom for both Namor and Aquaman sort of competed for a while. And even in 1990, the Namor series came along by John Byrne. And I love that series. I To this day, I still do. So, and I, and I don't know when I made the switch, but at some point, well, even though I was reading the Namor series, I sort of like decided to hook my cart to the Aquaman train instead. Good and <laughs> this show would have been very different if I hadn't. Um, my friend, uh, Ravenface, he was collecting uh, Legion of Superheroes at the time. And he was going out on this huge mission to buy the back issues. And he was having so much fun on back issue searching. And that was something that I hadn't really – I mean I had looked for back issues, but they are always like stuff that was like a year old at most. It was stuff that you know I was currently collecting. Like I might – I sought out the early issues of Firestorm and stuff like that, but nothing old, old, old. And he was getting stuff from like the 50s with Legion, and he just would regale me with these great stories of his hunt. And I'm like, I want to buy something old. I want to I be a guy who collects something old. <laughs> what do I like? And I came upon – I don't need awful. women in my life. Well <laughs> – uh, that's a story for another day. But I, uh, I decided, I, I, for some reason, I decided it would be Aquaman. Maybe because I was lazy and I was near the A's of the comic book store. I don't know. But I decided it would be Aquaman. And this I pulled out the Ant-Man and Firestorm podcast. <laughs> that would have been the best ever. So anyway, uh, I pulled out. Uh, I pulled out an issue of Aquaman. It was issue number fifty-six, which is the creature that devoured Detroit. With the most amazing Nick Cardi, or one of the most amazing Nick Cardis of all time. I absolutely love it. And that cover made me a lifelong Aquaman fan at that point. <laughs> I said, this is it. I am totally in. This is the craziest cover I've ever seen. This is I'm all, I'm all about it. Now, little did I know it was the last issue of the Aquaman series at the mm. time. But uh, at that point, it, it, the thrill of the hunt became such a big thing. I went hunting on all these Aquaman issues and um, – I know you. I know you're familiar with something called Who's Who. It was a comic that DC put out in the old days. They did this wonderful loose leaf edition that I'm going to tell you about someday. And they had a companion piece printed by Mayfair Games. It was Who's Who in the DC role playing game, and they included at the end a little index of where you could find every appearance of these characters. And I mean every appearance of these characters. It would, even if the character appeared in one panel in the background and that wasn't even colored. They would be wow. in this list. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That must have been impossible to compile back then. I, well, I, I wonder if – remember there was um, – was it Sanderson? Whoever did all the research for yeah, Crisis? Peter, Peter Sanderson, yeah. Yeah, I bet they used that data is all I can think. <sighs> but um, I, sh I should scan the Aquaman one to send it to you if I haven't yes, done it before. I'd like to, I wonder how you compile that in an era before compute – like before Google and stuff. Like how would you even about. know where to look, you know? How did they build the pyramids? It's crazy. Anyway, so um, – so I used those guys, used those as a guide to go back and find all these old Aquaman issues. That's how I knew he was in adventure comics or action comics or world's finest or whatever it was. That's how I knew to find him. And so that was my, my, my hunt, you know, what I used for the hunt. And I, I bought every Aquaman I could get my hands on. I have, you know, a complete collection of the 60s series. I think I have some of the showcases issues originally. I've definitely got everything in reprints, if not. And um, then I wanted some of the old, old Golden Age stuff. So I went out and got, <laughs> did I lose you? <laughs> Was that a hiccup? No, I'm laughing at the idea of getting the Golden Age Aquaman stuff. Well, I couldn't. Uh, right, of course. Uh, anyway, I couldn't find them, so I bought them on microfiche. 
and even had a microfiche projector to read them. And my friend Rob Kelly, who runs the Aquaman Shrine site, you might know him, actually posted the microfiche, pictures of my microfiche on his website. Thanks for remembering when you did your episode uh, a couple weeks ago, by the way. <laughs> I did forget about that entirely. Yeah. You, you, you know what else you forgot about? All those issues you covered with Ryan and uh, Laura. Is that right? Is it Laura? Yeah, Laura, yeah. Yeah. Um, you and I covered those like five years ago, by the way. Not that you remember, but we did a whole episode where we covered all those issues. Did we but, really? I don't yeah, we that. really did. I sent right. you a link and everything. Huh. But <laughs> And so I became a huge fan of Aquaman, and there's my origin story with Aquaman. So rather lengthy. But So uh, moving on to the next category, which I think Rob already answered. But anyway, the, the question is, why do we love these characters? And you know, we want to talk about our feelings for them and what, in, what about them inspires us. What do we respect? What do we love about their powers? Where do we find our joy with these characters? Do you have anything left to say on Aquaman? Did you, did you spend your whole wad there, Rob? Oh, Lord. Uh, yeah, no, I think I, I think I pretty much covered everything. I, I, I do have a new a renewed sense of fandom because it's, it's it. It's an interesting time to be an Aquaman fan because we're now on the other side of the looking glass because he is now a movie star. You know, DC has completely changed him to where he is part of the big group now. He's in a, you know, you mentioned that JLA Suicide Squad crossover. He's there yep. prominently. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, no longer is he shunted aside on these things. And so it's kind of weird, you know? Like, uh, I mean, you wonder if, if part of your identity or the reason you love something it's kind of like that thing where like you're you become like you like a band and then the band gets big and then you're like <laughs> they're not good anymore I, right. I don't i don't expect that to happen but it'll be interesting to see people who are aquaman fans who a never heard of him or the fact that like you know what i mean it, it, it's just gonna be weird like you if you're a batman fan you never had that you right. always batman's always been part of the culture one way or the other, or Superman or Wonder Woman to a lesser extent. But Aquaman, it's it's a completely different feeling. So I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to, to see how that how that goes. I, I can relate to that for you. I mean, you, you say that as far as them not being that popular. I mean, for years, both Aquaman and Firestorm in, in – were sort of our characters, you know. It's they certainly they belong to the world, and they were selling hundreds of thousands of copies of their comics at some point. But when we started our respective things, you started Aquaman Shrine in two thousand six. I started Firestorm Fan in two thousand nine. But at that point, both the characters were really at a low, low ebb. Yes. And Aquaman kind of was like he was your character. I mean, you more than most people had a little bit of ownership in that you were producing content about him, you know, and I was doing the same for Firestorm. So we really felt like, you know, they were ours. Obviously they weren't, they're DC properties, but we felt like, you know, these are our characters. We love them. And now we're in a position where we have to share them with the world. And it's sort of weird. And it's sort of like watching your kids grow up, to be honest. And they go out and they start making their own decisions that you're not so sure about. And, uh, you know, it happened to me, and it's probably happening to you as well with Aquaman to some extent, but when the Flash TV show started, and uh, the Firestorm was introduced on the Flash TV show. And all of a sudden, every 17-year-old and their friend started a Tumblr about Firestorm. And, how about, and it was all about Firestorm and, and Caitlin Snow. So it was like Fire Snow and all these different, you know, hashtag phrases and stuff. And it was the weirdest thing. And all of a sudden, you know, Firestorm's biggest fan ever was popping up who'd been you know, interested in the character for three weeks. And it was just like, to me, it was like, uh... You know, kind of like I'm sitting in the corner going, guys, 
guys, am I relevant anymore? And that doesn't matter. I mean, it's, that's not what it's about. It's not, you know, being relevant or not being relevant. It's actually, I'm thrilled to see the world embracing him. It's just not happening the way I guess I expected it to. And that's fine. I'm thrilled for that, but it is weird. It is sort of like, you know, they, they used to be our little thing and now it's everybody's little thing. It's kind Mm -hmm. of weird. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So uh, since Rob has absolutely nothing to say on this episode, uh, or actually, do you have any reason to say why you love Firestorm? Anything you respect about the character or about the powers, where you find your joy? I mean, you have been talking about him for five years now. I, I, uh, I, I like Firestorm just fine. Uh, no, he's never been – I mean, we, we talked about this maybe in the very first episode of the show that you're a much bigger Aquaman fan than I am of Firestorm. You know, like you, you march way over into my territory more than I go into yours. But uh, you've been doing this for five years oh, now. Okay, so, you know, whatever. Um, it hasn't rubbed off at all. Not terribly. I mean, I'm happy that uh, Jerry Conway got another bite at that apple. That was funny because yeah. I mean, I don't know. I feel like Firestorm is so uniquely. I mean, obviously it's Jerry's creation along with Emilgram, but I, I don't know. I feel like Jerry's. I don't want to say he's the only writer that should write him because that's not true, obviously. But I feel like Jerry's just – I don't know. I like that Jerry might write him – wrote him again and, and hopefully we'll get to do it again. I, I look at Firestorm as always – he is one of the classic Justice League to me. And as anybody knows because I had a JLA blog that I don't update anymore, but I had one, jlasatellite.blogspot.com. Justice League was always my favorite comic, and to me, Firestorm is the last member of the classic Justice League. I know Alex mm-hmm. Ross doesn't look at him that way. Alex Ross goes out of his way to cut Firestorm out of all of his Justice League projects. But to me, Firestorm is is the end of that era, you know? And, and when it and then goes into Detroit, it's a whole other thing. But to me, the, <laughs> the, the, when, and when I think of the Justice League, it ends with Firestorm. He is part of the team. And so that's why I like him so much is because he's, he's part of my favorite group. I just, you know, he deserved to be there. I love that he was in the Justice League. I thought he was a great addition. I like the, the, the point counterpoint they had to him and the other members. So I liked him in that, in that respect. He was sort of like a Kitty Pride. Yeah. You know, because Kitty Pryde came in the X-Men. She was the young kid. She was the one that had to constantly prove herself and go yeah. through all the training and things like that. And that's what Firestorm had to do with the JLA. I mean, the JLA was all these, you know, long-established heroes. You know, e- even Zatanna, who was fairly young, still had had all those adventures in the 60s before they ever let her in the league. You know, so... Yeah. It, it brought it a new was, dynamic to the book yeah. that had not existed before, and that was a great idea of Jerry to do, and it worked out because it was his creation and stuff. But, I mean, that... That first issue that he first appeared, uh, that he joins one seventy nine. That is one of my favorite issues of the the book. I've I always love like Justice <laughs> League the, history. The, the, satin, the, the satin Satan is that why? Satin Satan, the Siren Curse of the Satin Satan. Uh, but but that, that not only does he join in that issue, like there's a whole history lesson about the Justice League. Red Tornado has a whole flashback. And when I was a kid, you know, I used to love comics that flashed back to events I hadn't seen because this is pre-comic book store. So I didn't really get to see all the stuff. So I loved all that stuff about hearing what the team looked like in the old days and things like that. It was just great. It, it still remains one of my favorite issues. And so that's the, that's the of, of all the stuff Alex Ross did with the Justice League, which I love, the JLA Liberty and Justice, I love all that stuff. It's my only nitpick with Alex Ross is that he doesn't have Firestorm because to me he needs to be in there but that's well, do you know do you know what his definition is for why it's, it's when it's, Iris Allen died right isn't exactly that it's when Iris Allen dies he says he, that's not his DC anymore right right and Firestorm was on the other side of that so yeah 
And you know what? Somebody could make that same argument about, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths or Infinite Crisis or, you know, whatever, New 52. So I, I get it. So it just so happens that he's an amazing artist and everyone loves his stuff. And it just so happens it's like he stops right where I want him not to. <laughs> I will say Alex Ross is the artist who created my single favorite Aquaman image of all time. Is that the the poster where he's staying there holding the trident? Uh, the post... No, 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 no. It's a page from JLA Liberty and Justice Tabloid Edition. And mm-hmm. it's... All the heroes get, like, a little two-page intro. Yeah, And so yeah. you see the one page uh, of... That he stops a harpoon. They These guys, these whalers, shoot a harpoon at a whale. This green hand comes out and grabs it. And then the full page is Aquaman in the sunlight standing on a whale with all of the sea life standing there. And as he squares off against the... The, the Whalers. That is my single... As much as I love Jim Aparo, Nick Cardi, Ramona Fraden, John Daly, Craig Hamilton, he's had a lot of great artists. That one page is like, you know, it's like if I was a multi-millionaire. <laughs> if I would buy that page from Alex. Oh, Foster wow. Whatever, okay. Because it's just my single favorite image, Aquaman image of all time. I'm pretty sure I have a t-shirt with an Alex Ross Aquaman from Justice, I think. Okay. Where he's like, uh, I think he's riding away. Well... I'll have to it's hanging up in my no. He's swimming at the camera, sort of thing. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. Those are, I think there are those JLA data pages in the back. I think that's what they were. That was from. Could have been, yeah. yeah. But it's a great looking image. So yep. yeah, Alex Ross does a great one. And you're right, Aquaman is gifted with a tremendous amount of great artists. Oof, amazing. So my my love for Firestorm, uh, it probably you know I, I, I fell in love with the character because it was sort of like I. I felt like he was young. I felt like I could connect with him because he, you know, Ronnie Raymond, the teenager, impulsive, and here I was. I was all of twelve when I first discovered the character. I felt like I could really connect to it. And the superpowers action figure came out at that point, and it was just gorgeous. I still, to this day, think that superpowers action figure is incredible. And um, you know, I bought all the issues very quickly, and there wasn't really any other Firestorm merchandise to get into. So uh, one of the things that I did like about the series, though, is I felt like it kind of grew up as I did. You know, as I got older, you know, you tend to your ebb and flow with comics changes as you go through your teenage years, you know, certainly. But as, as I got a little older, Firestorm became a little mature. They, they dealt with the blank slate era, which really was a commentary on the politics between the United States and the Soviet Union, which has got into some kind of deep stuff. And then as I got even older, into, into my later years in high school, they did the elemental Firestorm story, which was almost like a, you know, I don't know, it, I kind of call it a, 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 a junior step down from Alan Moore Swamp thing. You know, a lot of the same themes, not delivered at the same level that Alan Moore did, but still a lot of the environmental themes, a little more mature storytelling, you know, half a step away from a Vertigo book, really. And uh, I, I just felt like the book grew up with me, so I really liked that aspect of it. But as far as the character, why I loved him, again, the youthful op- op- optimism, Ronnie's excitement as Firestorm was just absolutely infectious. You couldn't help but get excited. And we see that now as we're reading the Jerry Conway, Pat Broderick, Raphael Cannon issues. He's so excited when he's in the Firestorm mode, and you can't help but just enjoy it. And, um, the over-the-top goofy use of the powers. You know, I, I use this example all the time, but you know, and I don't even remember if it happened a comic or if I just imagine it. But you know, so let's say someone's falling off a building, and Firestorm uses his transmutation powers to change the ground. He could just turn into a mattress, and the person lands softly. But no, he's not going to do that. He would create a giant rubber duck or something ridiculous for that person, or a giant ice cream sundae for that person to land in, because that's what Firestorm does with his powers, and that's just an absolute hoot. And then, of course, you know, there's all the teenage angst, which was very relatable then. And the combination of Ronnie and Professor, and I've heard different writers talk about this. I interviewed Stuart Moore, who did the uh, Jason Rush book for a while. And and he said that once he added – 
I'm, I'm kind of stumbling around this, but it, the combination of Ronnie and Professor Stein works. And what Stuart Moore said was he felt like his series really took off when he combined Jason Rush with Professor Stein. And he realized once he connected Professor Stein with the younger character, he felt like it just hit something in the storytelling that worked. He's like, Jerry Conway knew what he was doing. He tapped into some kind of zeitgeist when he created that concept. And it worked for me as a fan, too. You can just, because, you know, at some points you can relate to Ronnie's impulsiveness. Other points you relate to Stein's cautiousness. And, and, or you re- relate to the idea of being involved with a partner who just frustrates the crap out of you. Um, I, mm. I, for one, can really relate to that. So, uh, <laughs> but you know, Professor Stein is actually my favorite character in the Firestorm Matrix. Didn't start off that way. It was probably Ronnie originally, but now Professor Stein is. And you know, over the course of the years, he just, you know, he's an older guy. He's a scientist. He's not a man of action, and yet he still functions as a critical part of Firestorm. You know, seeing Stein on board the Justice League of America satellite, it like makes my heart soar. And I don't mean his firestorm, but when he's actually Stein, because like he deserves to be there, but you never, you don't, you don't see that kind of thing very often. And I, personally, I just love to imagine that Professor Stein and Ray Palmer were probably like best buddies. I love to think of them sitting around smoking pipes and you know having a drink, sharing weird physics ideas. But um, in, in Stein, one of the other things about him too is even though again he's this middle-aged guy, he's not in great physical shape, and yet he still steps up to be a hero. Um, and even when he's not part of Firestorm, he stayed a very active. Uh, supporting character. I can't think of anyone in comics, actually, that's a middle-aged, non-physical guy that saves the day on a regular basis. I mean, uh, maybe Harvey Bullock? I don't know. But beyond that, I I can't think of anyone that matches Stein's template. Uh, I think he's a great character. Yeah, that's true. I never thought of it that, but you're right. Martin Stein is certainly unique in the history of superhero comics for the most part. Because, yeah, I mean, you have like a David Banner, but then David Banner turns into the other character to do these things. Right, and there's there's always a physicality there. Stein right. doesn't do anything, you know. He just talks. <laughs> so, and then uh, as far as Aquaman goes, I I love so many different aspects of Aquaman. I, I don't need to extol them all. You just did most of them, but you know, I love when he's when he's being king. I love when he's being regal and, and just you know, he commands a presence. He commands an army. He's just such a presence. I love that. I love the heroic nature. I love the mystery of under the ocean. I mean, it's you know, seventy five percent of the planet. We don't know much about it. You know, and he commands 75% or he's responsible for 75% of the planet. That's his jurisdiction. Batman's got Gotham City, which is, you know, a flea speck compared to what Aquaman's got to cover. And he's doing such a good job. Right. <laughs> That's true. Well, for all we know, Aquaman can be doing a really lousy job, too. We don't hear about him in the Pacific very often. Um, then, in, in, now I know this is your favorite era, but the Peter David Aquaman series was, for me, was absolutely wonderful. I loved seeing him in sort of that savage, angry mode. I liked seeing him as a total ass kicker. And, t- you know, at that, point, in, in, at that point in my age where I was, you know, early college, I felt like, yeah, this is the way we're going to make people respect Aquaman. And apparently that's what they think they need to do for the movies too because, I mean, he's pretty much – Jason Momoa is pretty much the Peter David Aquaman without the hook on the hand. And um, it's he's a fun character to follow, and I think he's deserving of it. And he's been an underdog. All this time, and I just I can't help but cheer for him. You know, it's a very exciting time. Yep. All right, folks. I think we're gonna take a quick podcast promo break, and then when we come back. We're gonna do our own version of a meme, and uh, then we're gonna talk about some favorite runs of the characters. So come on back on the other side. It's a beautiful evening. The moon is just rising. A full moon. It's 
will soon be as bright as day. An ancient evil erupts from the grounds of Supermates' estates. The house of Frankenstein has risen from the grave. Step this way to gaze upon an exhibit absolutely unparalleled in the realms of showmanship. I have a collection of the world's most astounding horrors. Spine-chilling discussion of classic horror films featuring an all-star cast. Boris Karloff. If I had Frankenstein's records to guide me, I could give you a perfect body. Lon Chaney. Last night I suffered the tortures of the damned. I killed a man. John Carradine. I will come for you before the dawn. Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. There is nothing, do you hear me, nothing more important to me than the success of this experiment. Oliver Reed. I can't, I tell you. I can't remember anything. Lawrence Olivier. You are a most uh, unusual creature, Count Dracula. And Frank Langella. You do not know how many men have come against me. I am the king of my kind. Plus, your favorite superheroes grapple with the world's greatest monsters. You'll never succeed with your crazy plan, Dr. Frankenstein. That's just what Batman said, Superman. And look where you are now. <laughs> A Supermates presentation coming in September and October to the Fire and Water Podcast Network. The House of Frankenstein has risen from the grave. The hottest Marvel character. Iron Man. Ape Man. I can't decide between Professor X and Magneto. So both. Loki. Is Wolverine Marvel? What about uh, White Tiger? What about uh, White Tiger? Uh, <laughs> Doc Samson. Uh, Star Fox. That's a video game. The girls go on a journey to determine every Marvel character's hotness in Ohatmu or Not, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe podcast you didn't know you wanted. Available on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. anthology series boasting the terrifying talents of Ryan Daly, Rob Kelly, Paul Hicks, Ben Avery, Doug Zavisha, and other unfortunate souls. Prepare for the unexpected, open a doorway to nightmare, and enter the houses of mystery and secrets. The moon is full, and the dark spirits are rising. For it's midnight, the podcasting hour. Coming this Halloween, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Beware. And we're back. So, all right. Now, this is probably going to be old news because social media comes and goes and it's such a flitting thing. But um, 
or fleeting thing, I should say. There was a, a meme sort of thing going around a little a couple weeks ago, which was hashtag three fictional characters. And the idea was you would name three fictional characters to sum up your, your yourself or your personality. So I decided, wouldn't this be fun to sort of do this where we take three fictional characters to sum up Aquaman, Mera, and Firestorm, meaning Ronnie Raymond and Professor Stein. And I thought that'd be fun for each of us to come up with three characters for each one of those. And um, I, I did put a caveat that we're probably going to play a little fast and loose with, which was not to use comic book or superhero characters, because that'd be just too easy. It'd be like, oh, Aquaman is like uh, Namor! You know, it'd be <laughs> so. So, uh, Rob, do you want to do... You, why don't we go back and forth? you want to do your Aquaman characters? Uh, I had a real... Th- you know, it's funny. This was tough for me. I really had a difficult time sort of thinking of three characters that I, I think about as, as like are part of Aquaman. I mean, obviously there's some Tarzan in there cause it's sort of like, he's got his own part of the earth. Uh, yep. but although, you know, Tarzan, I don't know. I don't think of Tarzan as like necessarily someone who's like, you know, I'm trying to protect the, the, the deep jungle. I think it's just more, that's just where he comes from as opposed to Aquaman who is protecting him. I actually see a good amount of Captain Kirk, in Aquaman, uh, I think wow. he's a, yeah, I think he's like a natural leader. I grew up on Star Trek. I don't talk about Star Trek that much. Just it just doesn't come up all that much. But I love Star y- Trek. Y- y- yes, you do. You do. I do. Yeah, you do. It's okay. Okay, I don't think I do, but all right, whatever. I don't have a show or anything devoted to it. But uh, <laughs> but I, I mean, I talk about Star Wars a lot more. But I loved Star Trek growing up, especially the original series. I watched it with my dad, and it was just so much fun. And I always loved Captain Kirk. You know, he's brave, but he's I mean, for as much as at times Kirk could be a hothead, I, I always liked it when he was, you know, contemplative and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think Aquaman is that to a certain extent. He's a brave leader. Uh, that that whole that, – that little shot of him in the Super Friends cartoon where he's on the whale and he points at the <laughs> whole army. I mean, to me, that's kind of a Captain Kirk. He's just like a natural leader. And I really like that. You know, I have the deep respect for that that kind of – that kind of, I don't know, brave leadership because I'm not that kind of person. So I think that's something I respect uh, more. So I, I, you know, that's sort of what I think about when I, I think of fictional characters that I would put in Aquaman. I'm I'm a little bit better on Mira, but for whatever reason, Aquaman, I kind of had a little little bit of a rough time on that. So you came up with one? Two. Oh, the, the Tarzan's the other one? Tarzan and Captain Kirk. Because all you did was shoot down Tarzan, even though, you know, in advance I suggested Tarzan. Yes, and then you, you just spent the whole I, time shooting it down. Yes, Thanks for I that. Did. Okay, you're welcome. <laughs> now, also, I, I should have kind of said on the front end, too, and it, as you could tell from Rob's description, the point is we're talking about it doesn't have to be a one-for-one. One. The character doesn't have to be a perfect match, but they've got traits that represent our characters. And we're not talking about the actual actors either, you know. So, no, no, the fictional uh, characters. So for Aquaman, um, I picked uh, Conan the Barbarian, Ronan in Stargate Atlantis, and Khal Drago in Game of Thrones. Um, I just thought all three of those, oh, come on, that's funny. You don't get it? They're all played by Jason Momoa. Yeah, I, I, I got it. Okay, it was funny. It was good. Okay, so I had Tarzan on my list uh, as well. And uh, I, I do see Aquaman, like the Peter David Aquaman, to me, is Tarzan. The same thing. Lord of the Jungle, King of the Sea. You know, they, they, are, they have a relationship with animals. They're very savage, wild, long hair, you know, of noble birth, Greystoke and, you know, and Arthur, or Orin, I should say. So I, I do see a lot of connection between Tarzan. Now, not the filmation Tarzan, but more of your <laughs> more modern-day interpretations of Tarzan being a, a noble savage kind of thing. Then uh, another one I had is King Arthur. 
actually. The legendary version of King Arthur, not necessarily the, the one that may or may not have been King of Britain, because I don't want Gene Hendricks sending me a nasty letter. Because um, in and, and, you know, there's a lot of different interpretations of King Arthur, and obviously there is some real obvious things. You know, his name is Arthur. He is a king. But, you know, Arthur was destined for greatness, and he was the king of a mythical land. He was a warrior king, and he fought off threats of both physical and mystical. And it just I, there's a lot of similarities there with Aquaman, I think, that you could pair away, you know, from different interpretations of the King Arthur legend. And finally, this one is my, my bit of a cheat, and you've got one under Mara, so I figured I could get away with this one. Uh, this one did come from a comic strip, not a comic book, and it's not a superhero, but it's, it comes from a comic strip. Prince Baron from the uh, 1980s Flash Gordon film as portrayed by Timothy Dalton. I love his character in that movie. You know, he, like, Timothy Dalton just has this way of being so regal, even when he's being a dick. He still comes across as very regal and very royal, and you know he's there. He, he is a prince. He is of noble birth, and yet he's a warrior, and he can still act sophisticated. And, he, and he's sort of a utility character in that movie where he isn't the guy who saves the day, but he functions really well as part of a team of heroes with Flash and, and you know Hawkman and all that stuff. And so I, I feel like he in some ways is sort of like Aquaman on the Justice League. He's, he's, uh, he's that badass warrior noble guy who works with the team well. So I can those see are my that. those are my three Aquaman. All right. So you want to start with me, now, and I'll I'll start when we do the Firestorm ones. You want to go ahead and do Mira? Yeah, uh, Mira wise. Okay, there's a couple things there. First of all, I I also part of thought thought of this a little as like what was probably in on her creation, like what was probably on the minds of I think it's Robert Bernstein was the the guy that created her. Uh, uh, was writing Who's that? that book at the time. He's one of the Aquaman writers. Uh, not one of the more famous ones. Really? But yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, but uh, like I have, I tend to think of Catherine Hepburn from all of her movies that she did with Spencer Tracy. Because I mean, Catherine Hepburn was really the first real kind of liberated woman. She wore <gasps> pants. Um, <laughs> shocking. Uh, I mean, she was a redhead. Uh, something else too, because uh, we all know we like that. And yeah, we but, do. but she was just this strong, liberated, independent woman who was able to go toe to toe with her on-screen partners. Very often, Spencer Tracy. Uh, and, and she didn't apologize for being that sort of liberated, you know, headstrong woman. And I have to think there was some of that in Mira. At least that's what I see. Now, when she was created, it was in the early 60s. I when there's probably a little bit of Anne Margaret or, or um, wow. Rita Hayworth, any of those kinds of characters. But I, I, I don't know. I feel like there's a Catherine Hepburn kind of thing there. And also because Catherine Hepburn came from sort of rich people and she was she had that kind of way of talking with that noble – birth thing. <laughs> she was Mira. And speaking of noble birth, a more modern character, uh, and I'm going to mention somebody from Game of Thrones, and it's not a joke, like a huge <laughs> uh, is the character of, of Caitlin Stark. Uh, I forget the name of the actress that plays I could look it up, but I'm too lazy. I've only had eight month, two months of this to prepare. But she's, <laughs> like, you know, she's Sean Bean's wife on that show. She was the queen, and something about Mira that I always thought was interesting is she never questions her husband's royal birth, or just the whole idea of being a king and a queen. There are really very few democratically elected leaders in comics. They tend to be mm -hmm. kings. You know, it's like they tend to rule by fiat, which is not something that we aspire to in, in, it's in our world, luckily. But I don't know it, about it, you, but I do. Well, okay, but... well, uh, Trump, Trump 2016. But uh, you can have, oh. uh, uh, you know, but, but Aquaman rules because he's born to it. And Mira doesn't question that. Like, she just is, and that's kind of something Caitlin Stark did. Now, Caitlin Stark ended up 
really suffering badly uh, on the show, as, as a lot of characters do. But uh, I, I think there's some similarities to that. Like, she's very comfortable being a queen. I mean, especially the way Dan Abnett is writing her. She is just... I mean, there's the whole sequence where she breaks Aquaman out of jail. She's just like, I don't have time for this nonsense. I don't have time for rules. I don't have time for your stupid U.S. government rules. I'm breaking my husband, my future husband, out of jail. That's it. And she doesn't really care. And I think there's there's some of that there. And not that Caitlin Stark did that, but there's this this kind of like doesn't seem to be any questioning that they were born to rule, uh, which is you know can be a little troubling depending on how you look at it. In the sixties, wasn't she a princess of her dimension? Yeah, she was from. Yes, she was in that other. Yes, she was, and she okay. was. She was. She was uh, scheduled to be married, and be part of this whole royal thing and this guy, but that didn't work out. And she ended up falling in love with Aquaman. Thank goodness. Right, with her flippers. With her flippers. Yep. All right, you got one more. Who you got? Uh, this is the only two I got. Oh my gosh! Do you understand the word three? Because so far you're you're See, batting you zero for. You mentioned the meme, and I thought it was the Batman slapping Robin meme, and I got confused. <laughs> All right, for Mara, uh, the first one you're not going to care about, but I promise you the second two I will get your attention. It's going to be a Doctor Who character. No, it's Sarah Walker from the TV show Chuck, as portrayed by Yvonne Strahovski. Wow. Uh, what's that? Wow. Oh, you ain't kidding. I mean, it's I have that later on on my list to be polite, but let's just put that out there since you did that. She is crazy hot. Um, and her figure is absolutely insane. And she frequently shows it off in the show. And Mara is insanely hot and her clothes are pretty much skin tight. And she also has an amazing figure. So there is some physical comparisons, but anyway, uh, Sarah Walker is an American spy working to protect her country. And Mara is working to protect her adopted kingdom. Both have shady pasts. Sarah and her father were grifters when they were young, before she got involved with the government. And Mara comes from, you know, nowadays at least, she comes from that rebel colony, Zebel, which is also a bit of a shady past, and she has troubles with that. Both are incredibly intelligent and independent. They both have very adventurous spirits. Sarah is an amazing fighter. She kicks all the ass on that show. And Mara is also a great fighter, and I, I would not want either one of them pissed off at me, to be honest. And while both Sarah and Mara have very strong wills and are independent, as I mentioned, they also make great partners. Sarah works with a guy named Casey and another character, Chuck, whereas Mara works with Aquaman. So they, they do well in a partnership or on their own. And Sarah, and it's funny, I have this in my notes, Sarah would Definitely go break her man out of a government prison in a heartbeat. Not a problem. So I'm glad you mentioned that about Mara. So I, I felt like Sarah Walker would be a – I see a lot of the same character traits there. This next one might start off as a head-scratcher, but I was thinking about you as a, a kindness as I was going through this. So uh, Lisa Carol Fremont in Rear Window, portrayed by Grace Kelly. Mm, interesting. Very active character in the story. Very intelligent. She's powerful in the story. She's dominant. There's a lot of scenes where she's standing over him, and that's very purposely shot the way Hitchcock did it. Uh, yet, at the same time, she's very elegant. She's very refined, sort of like Mara was as an ambassador when she was, you know, Aqua Woman uh, as an ambassador for um, Atlantis. And then, um, as I mentioned, she's independent, but she's also very committed to her man. I mean, Lisa in that whole movie was trying to get him to getting him to marry her, and Mara. She is very committed to Aquaman. She's, once they talked about getting married, that's never been out of her mind. Even in the most recent issues where she's arguing, she's like, is the marriage off then? I mean, it's forefront in her mind. She wants to be with him the rest of her life. And then both of them also go along with whatever unlikely scheme their man presents. You know, Aquaman says there's an alien invasion. She goes, whose ass do I kick? You know, whereas Lisa Fremont 
goes and breaks into the apartment across the way. She gets involved in the whole scheme of watching what's going on across the way. She gets into it. She takes matters into her own hands. Both of them do. Let's see. Uh, now, there are some things that don't fit. I mean, Lisa is very much a socialite, which really isn't Mara, but that's okay. The other trace, uh, other things fit. And then it also goes without saying that Grace Kelly is also insanely hot in that movie. So uh, I think there's a lot, you know, there's some parallels there. And the final one. You're talking about my Aunt Grace. Whatever. Uh, I am talking about one of your crushes. I know I am. And speaking of that, here you go. I'm a little surprised you didn't come up with this one for Mara. You ready? Hold on to your hat, or should I say hold on to your fedora, Marion Ravenwood from Raiders of the Lost Ark, portrayed by Karen Allen. Again, fiercely independent. Very, very active role in the story. She cares about the safety of her man. She can usually take care of herself, but sometimes she needs rescuing. She has absolutely no fear in tackling any opponent, no matter how dangerous or how much bigger they are than her. She's also quite likely to be the first person to throw the punch. And lastly, lastly, she's Aquaman's goddamn partner. <laughs> Come on, Marion Ravenwood, that's genius. That's, that's a perfect fit. Um, if there's anyone I love more than Mira, it is Marion Ravenwood. Slash Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. It was her birthday right. yesterday, by the way. Oh, happy birthday, Karen. Nas- national holiday, Karen Allen. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on to Firestorm. I'll go first this time. Um, I did you manage to get anybody for Firestorm? No. Are you you suck at these games? You are worthless, Mr. Kelly. So it's just gonna be me talking. Okay, fine. Uh, that's probably for the best. So under Ronnie Raymond, uh, the first guy I picked is a bit unusual, but there's some reasons for it. Uh, a character by the name of Chris Ostrecker, who goes by the nickname of Oz from the movie American Pie, as portrayed by Chris Klein. He was the, the lacrosse player in American Pie, who was like the jock, and then he joins the jazz choir to meet girls. And in the end, he kind of shows that he's got a good heart and is actually a decent guy. Do you remember the character I'm talking about? Uh, I don't, I've never seen American Pie, so I don't, I know that actor. I've seen him in other movies, but I don't know him in that movie. It's a fun movie. I mean, it's, it's got some real raunch to it. But, but it's a fun sort of you know coming of age teenage rom. It's it's like Breakfast Club for the next generation. Or whatever, I, I've seen bits and pieces the whole thing with the band camp or whatever, but I haven't seen uh, the everyone's seen that. Yes, of course. But so so this guy again he he he's a lacrosse he's a jock player. He specifically joins the jazz choir just to meet girls, and that is very much like Ronnie. You know, Ronnie's the high school football player, and he's a decent guy. He's got a good heart, but he makes some really crazy unusual choices in order to meet girls. You know, he goes to the atomic. You know, protest in his very first appearance to impress a girl and ends up becoming Firestorm. This Oz guy did, you know, same kind of thing, joined another, you know, something completely unlike him just to meet girls. So I, I see some similarities there. I could, and actually, he, that actor during that period, he had kind of a Ronnie Raymond look to his, you know, so I, I could kind of see that. Then when we're talking about Firestorm, when Ronnie's in control of the Firestorm body, I picked uh, Starbuck from the original Battlestar Galactica as portrayed by Dirk Benedict because. That version of Starbuck, when he was in his element in the cockpit of a Viper, he was so cocky. And he was also having a blast. You know, Starbuck was always having so much fun, but I, I, hate, I guess behind the stick of a Viper is the way to put it. And when Ronnie's in Firestorm, he's also very cocky. He's very sure of his powers, and he genuinely loves flying and being a superhero. There's a lot of, you know, when he, when he gets into combat, even in the Justice League issues, whether it be the Firestorm, Fury of Firestorm, or Justice League, Ronnie always goes into combat just full of himself and having a blast enjoying using his powers and it just reminds me of Starbuck in some ways now I do have a third one for Ronnie but I'm going to jump ahead to Professor Stein because I actually have one Stein and one Ronnie pick that are actually linked and that'll work better at the end so um, Professor Martin Stein uh, the, the first one is actually the professor 
from Gilligan's Island, as portrayed <laughs> by Russell Johnson. And it, the, it's funny, the more I thought about this one, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, this is actually really dead on. I mean, you know, he's a scientist with amazing inventions that require very little prep time or equipment and can create just about anything. Professor Meinstein always seems to be able to do that. Meinstein and both the professor from Gilligan's Island are apparently masters at every scientific d- discipline. You know, it's just all that matters is that they're a scientist, never mind the fact that, you know, Meinstein's a physicist. He knows everything about biology and chemistry and all these other things. Um, they, neither one of them has ever seen dressed casually. You know, professors always got that blue Oxford on and the, and the nice pants. Stein is always in some sort of lab coat or suit. He's never just in like Bermuda shorts and a T-shirt. That doesn't happen. And they both get sort of awkward and potentially romantic situations. You know, whenever Ginger would come on to the professor, he just didn't know how to handle it or Marianne. And same thing with Professor Stein. Uh, another one, and this one's really, I don't know if I picked this one because it's fair or I just wanted to mention this guy, but Mr. Bickley from Mork and Mindy, as portrayed by Tom Poston. He was Mindy's downstairs neighbor. He was like a totally grumpy guy who always complained about the noise, and he was very lonely. And uh, it just... It, Sometimes Stein comes across as really grumpy, and he's older, and he's lonely. You know, we saw that in the Legends of Tomorrow story, where he's just sitting there eating, you know, microwave noodles by himself. He's a lonely guy, and uh, there's a lot of Mr. Bickley in there. Just the angry, but Bickley always—he came to complain to Mindy all the time, but it's because he wanted to be around people. That's part of the reason he came up there. And Stein is a loner, and yet he really gets—I think he gets a lot out of the Firestorm combination with Ronnie. You know, so. The last thing is, it's, I've got one Ronnie and one Professor Stein that go together. It is the absolute perfect Ronnie Raymond and Martin Stein dynamic duo. You mentioned it earlier. It is Back to the Future, Marty McFly, and Doc Brown. Mm-hmm. That is Ronnie and Stein. Now, I don't think I can claim this. I, I'm sure in the last seven years of me running the Firestorm fan website, someone has mentioned to me those two make a good combination. I probably heard that somewhere. If, if you were one of those people listening that said that to me, forgive me. But uh, this – I. I Anyway, um, Marty McFly, portrayed by Michael J. Fox, you know, in in his everyday interactions, things just never go Marty's way. He's always late to school. I mean, you know, in the times we saw him, he's late to school. The teachers are on his case. He's in trouble with his parents. He's got a bully harassing him. I mean, Ronnie's got all those exact same problems constantly. You know, uh, Marty's got a very adventurous spirit. He's a man of action. He takes a lot of risks, same as Ronnie. And then uh, he always finds himself in circumstances beyond his control. So I really feel like uh, now Marty's not a jock, but in a lot of other ways, I feel like Marty and Ronnie are very much alike. Then Dr. Emmett Brown, as portrayed by Christopher Lloyd, you know, he's, an assi- he's a scientist with amazing inventions and inventions that quite usually, or not usually, but sometimes cause outlandish situations. And, you know, Martin Stein's nuclear power plant is what started the whole thing with Firestorm. And then, uh, you know, Dr. Emmett Brown takes on a younger protege, uh, Marty, and, you know, Stein obviously works with uh, Ronnie, a young, ordinary kid. And then when necessary, Dr. Emmett Brown steps up and he gets to do some big hero moments every so often, Dr. Doc Brown does. Professor Stein's the same way. Doc Brown doesn't really understand the affairs of the heart all that well. Neither does Professor Stein. And uh, both of them can display short tempers. And there's there's actually a moment in Back to the Future 2, which is almost Firestorm-like, where, where Marty's going around spying on Biff, and he's actually got Doc Brown on the radio advising him on what to do. It, it, it's almost a little Ronnie <laughs> Professor moment right there. So I, that's, I, I would have rather just said Marty McFly and Doc Brown and done a mic drop and walked away and everyone go, oh, my gosh, they totally are. But I feel like I had to explain. That's pretty good. I like that one. Thanks for playing the game, Rob. That was very, uh, very good of you. <clears throat> you suck. <laughs> 
Um, well, why don't we cover uh, some mentions of our, our some favorite runs of the characters, and this will wrap it up as far as our, our coverage of why we love. We've got a few things on the back end, though, at the very end, but why don't we – you want to cover some great Aquaman runs? Yes. Did I ever mention I met, I, I met Russell Johnson once? Wonderful Did man. you really? I did. <gasps> Very nice man. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, sometimes you, you worry about meeting your heroes. Was he? Did he have a couple of coconuts with him? Or I did not. I met him at a Mystery Science Theater convention. He was very, very uh, nice. Oh, that's was, awesome. He was very, very nice. Uh, anyway, favorite Aquaman runs? Yes. Well, I've mentioned before um, the collection, the Death of the Print, Death of a Prince, which is the '70s adventure run by written by different writers, but drawn all by Jim Aparo. Those are my single favorite Aquaman comics of all time. I don't know if that book is still in print. Because Insuck Trades doesn't have it anymore, and Insuck Trades carries everything that's in print. So if they yeah. don't carry it anymore, it means it's out of print. But, but are they uh, are they on Comicsology? Uh, there, I believe they're on Comicsology, and I think you can still find copies of the book. Like I, it, it's a, any comic store I've ever been to has it because yeah. it was it only came out a couple years ago. So that's my those are my single favorite. Um, the Jim Aparo Aquaman that he did with Steve Skeets, which is Aquaman's forty through fifty six creature that devoured Detroit. Uh, I love all those comics. Uh, I love the four-issue Craig Hamilton, Neil Posner miniseries, the camo suit miniseries, which has never been collected to this date, and it probably never will be, except for that one-off in the, the big book. That's I love why, that story. Why do, you, why do you think it'll never be collected? Because it's just, they DC considered it out of continuity, and they just I think they just sort of shuffled aside. I'm surprised it's being reprinted at all in the big book, because they just well, they- really have ignored it. Well, they've they've taken a time to reprint a lot of out of print um, yeah. or out of continuity yeah. stuff, so you never yeah. know. I, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, maybe good. I I think it's great. I loved it. I even though I love you know the classic uniform, I liked the camo suit, and I thought the miniseries was great. And I remain a giant fan of Craig Hamilton, the original Aquaman drawing he did for me uh, that he did for the versus card, which Darlin Tracy bought for me for my birthday, staring at me as I'm sitting here talking. Oh about wow! Uh, so that's a great miniseries, Aquaman's one through four from 1986. Uh, pretty much any Aquaman drawn by Jim Aparo, I'm going to be a fan of, and any of the JLAs with Aquaman in it, especially in like the 180s, 190s, where he had a lot to do, issue number 200, all that stuff. Uh, but for anyone who's starting new, if there's anybody that's coming to the show and wants to know about Aquaman, you really should just begin with the Jeff Johns run from the New 52. That really reset the clock on Aquaman and made him a real classic superhero. And that's those are in print. And those go right through the Jeff Parker run. Jeff Parker did a great job picking up where Jeff Johns left off. Jeff, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> he, did a, he did a really great job. So that whole run, like so the, basically the first 40 issues of the Aquaman series are... Uh, really good, and also Sub Diego, the Sub Diego storyline. Glad you mentioned that one. Yeah, that the John Arcudi uh, and uh, Will Pfeiffer, drawn by Peck Leeson. Those are really, really good. I love Peck Leeson's work, so that's a really good run as well. So any of those are, are superb runs. Unfortunately, uh, the Jim Aparo, Steve Skeets have never been reprinted anywhere, which is crazy. Um, so you have to buy them. The, show, the showcase didn't get that far. They stopped. Just they literally stopped the issue before. Oh my gosh! Yep, they stopped oh. the number. They stopped at number thirty-nine. And, oh, what uh, a heartbreaker! Steve Skeets took over number forty. So you either have to buy them as back issues, or if you want to read them in a slightly modified style, you can pick up the old Adventure Comics Digests, 
that mm. when ran from 491 through 503, which are probably even harder to find, I guess. In terms of not just, <laughs> but, but they're cheap. If you get them on eBay, you can get them cheap because they're all those reprints. Those reprint the Steve Skeets, Jim Apparel stories one at a time. So you can find them there. Um, those are some of my favorite uh, comics as well. So all that stuff is a, a really good series of, of Aquaman, Aquaman comics. Now, I'll add a little bit more uh, stuff that you don't necessarily approve of, but they were part of my passion for Aquaman in the 90s. Um, Atlantis Chronicles is fantastic. Oh, that's a great series, too. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. I, I don't think of that because Aquaman is literally right. he's, not in it until he's the on the last page, page, I think, isn't he? <laughs> but that's a, that's, a, that's a really good series. It's Game yeah. of Thrones underwater, basically. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Peter David wrote it. Esteban Moroto drew it. It is absolutely gorgeous. There's some nudity, just some boobies, uh, which is awesome. But uh, it's it's gorgeous. I can't believe it's never been reprinted. It's one of the most gorgeous things DC put out in that era. And it's it really, I mean, I I, I'm, I don't do Game of Thrones, but it, yeah, it's it's Dynasty Underwater, Game of Thrones, whatever you want to say. It's amazing building of this family over a long period of time. Which then led into Aquaman Time and Tide, which is I enjoy as a nice four-issue miniseries, bridging the gap between sort of the old-school Silver Age Aquaman and leading to the angry, savage Aquaman of the 90s. So that bridges the gap there, kind of tells the Aquaman's origin, redone by Peter David after Atlantis Chronicles, and then you get into the Peter David run. I can't tell you any specific issues to read in there. I don't remember. I haven't reread in a long time. But in general, I just really enjoyed that era of the the angry Aquaman. And if you're excited about Cal Drogo or whatever his name playing uh, Aquaman, <laughs> I know it's Jason Momoa. If you're excited about him playing Aquaman, you might actually dig the Peter David run because that is kind of the basis of where this Aquaman's personality comes from. So I enjoy that. Now, for Firestorm, uh, I would highly recommend, if you're just getting started, to pick up the Firestorm, the Nuclear Man trade paperback. It is also out of print, oddly enough, but this reprints his first five issues uh, from before the DC implosion. It reprints the unpublished sixth issue and several of the Flash issues as well, backup stories. So you get story by Jerry Conway. You get art by Al Milgram and George Perez. That ain't bad, folks. And it's a, it's a nice little collection, and it's really enjoyable. It gives you a sense of the fun. Then go over to Comixology and pick up The Fury of Firestorm. I always recommend the first nine issues really set the tone for what the rest of the series is going to be like. There are super, super fun. You get the Pied Piper in there. You get Plastique. You get Killer Frost. You get Black Bison. They're just super fun. We covered them on this show over the last couple of years. Had a good time. Then I would jump forward to uh, my personal favorite, which is Fury of Firestorm, issues 14 through 18, and Fury of Firestorm, annual number one. Again, all available in Comicsology now. It's an excellent story. It introduces Firehawk. It introduces Tokamak. And Firestorm goes through a lot of challenges in there. And in the end, he comes out a stronger character. And with the partner and it's a uh, it's the greatest trade paperback never printed absolutely love it and then um if you want to try something a little different the jason rush firestorm there was a good run by, done by steven uh stuart moore and jamal eigel which was uh fury Fire, i'm sorry firestorm the nuclear man issues 28 through 32 and this is 2006 to 2007 and it's jason stein merged with professor stein I'm sorry, Jason Rush merged with Professor Stein and together as Firestorm, and it's got some Firehawk in there too. They're, it's really quite enjoyable. Stuart Moore really did a nice job with that. And then, um, you know, I should have mentioned earlier, those Fury of Firestorm issues I was raving about, you know, that's uh, Pat Broderick and Raphael Cannon drawn to that, so you know it's gorgeous. And then more recently, I mentioned that trade paperback uh, that um, Dan Jurgens did. I mentioned at the top of the show, it's very good. And then finally, two stories that sort of um, take Firestorm to a different place which is the introduction of the blank slate Firestorm. It's Fury of Firestorm number 62 to 64 and annual number 5 uh, and Firestorm number 65. So basically 62 to 65 and annual 5. And it covers basically Professor Stein. uh, Sorry, Rob, spoilers. Professor Stein's dying. 
of cancer in those stories. And by the end of the story, he's dead. And he uh, he wants to go out with one last great thing. And they go all Superman for the quest for peace and decide to get rid of all the new uh, atomic weapons on the planet. Great idea. And, well, um, are you being sarcastic or not? I'm completely being sarcastic. Oh, and Firestorm tries to do it. And by the end of the story, the Soviets in the United States actually work together to sort of screw over Firestorm, and he ends up merging with a, a, a Russian superhero, and it changes Firestorm forever. And it was it's really a great story, and it really changed the character of Firestorm from then on. And then after that, issues 85 to 100, which is all about the elemental Firestorm. I mentioned that earlier. It's a little bit like a, a second cousin to Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Covering a very a lot of environmental issues. In fact, Swamp Thing's even in it. Uh, there's and an air uh, red tornado is the air elemental and a water elemental. It's a really great run. A very much more mature look. It's nothing like Firestorm. It's completely different, but it made for really 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 great reading. So, um, I think that covers the other great runs. I did have some news to share. If you don't mind, if I take a moment, Rob. Why not? <laughs> okay. Um, I've been doing the Firestorm fan website f- since 2009. So that is, what, seven years now? Something along those lines? I'm going to stop publishing to the website. It's not so much that I'm going to shut it down. I guess I'm going to sort of retire the website. All the, all the content will still be there, but I'm no longer going to add anything to the site. I, and to be honest, I haven't really added much in the last year anyway. And if, if you've followed the site, you already know that. Um, but um, I just I feel like you know when you we said you started your site in 2006 I started my site in 2009 both characters were at a real low I felt like Firestorm needed the representation no one was out there being the cheerleader for Firestorm and now here we sit seven years later he's on a TV show he's got tons of action figures you know he he just headlined the Legends of Tomorrow comic so as far as I'm concerned mission accomplished folks I did my job you know I, I cheerleaded the character and now the rest of the world knows who he is and quite frankly you don't need a website to tell you where to find Firestorm anymore. All you got to do is open pretty much any entertainment website. Heck, it even gets mentioned on CNN once in a while because it's a, you know, a main TV show on the CW. So Firestorm's in the news. He's in the public consciousness. You don't need a, a one-stop shop to find him. And honestly, I can't keep up with all the news anymore. So I, I will continue as Firestorm. I will still be the Firestorm fan. I will still have the Twitter account. I will still have the Facebook account. I will still continue to update those with news and information. Uh, I, we will still be doing this show about Aquaman and Firestorm. So it's not like I'm leaving a Firestorm. I'm just leaving the blog, the website, and, and taking that content and saying, you know what, I did this. I'm proud of it. There's a lot. I mean, there's something like a thousand posts out there, you know. Um, but I'm going to I'm gonna stop adding content to the website. I just feel like it's time to, to move away from that. So it's, I'm sad about it. But I feel like, again, mission accomplished. Firestorm's in the public consciousness. We all win. Wow. Big news. Yeah. Yeah, I've been hinting at it for a while. I mean, some some people already knew, but I feel like it's time to officially do it. I'll do that soon. Uh, I didn't want to do it while the Legends of Tomorrow series was still coming out. Um, and, and since there's no new plans for Firestorm right now anyway, it seems like a good time. So I hope uh, I hope uh, I hope Firestorm does come back to comics, though. That would be wonderful. So who knows? Maybe I'll change my mind down the line and, and fire, the old, fire the old website back up if that happens. We'll see. Yeah, well, luckily you don't have to do anything with it. You know, like you have to take it down. You could just stay but- there, yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's funny that you so. mention that because just this week, Aquaman Shrine will be turning 10 years old. Wow, a decade. You are mm-hmm. really old. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Wait, way to come back. That's great, Rob. Hang Your on. sharp wit has not dulled in the two months apart. <laughs> Rob, why don't you tell the folks at home where they can find our show, our little oh, show? 
our show and all of our other wonderful shows on our network. I am very proud of the network. I, I don't talk about it, I guess, a whole lot just because I don't like to get all mushy and stuff. But I really am quite proud of all the shows. I mean, there's a couple that are not great, but most of them are really very good. <laughs> <laughs> and by me, is that where you're going with that? I don't know. Okay. Uh, it's amazing. That's funny that you jumped to that conclusion. No, all of our shows. You're very mean to Discord right now. I'm just yes, saying. I, well, okay. No, I, all, all the shows we do are really, really good. We have a wonderful bunch of partners Discord, Chris and Cindy, Ryan. I mean, it's just, we all really Discord. are. What? You left Cisco off the list. No, but that's I didn't. Fine. I said his name first. Oh, I don't listen to you very much. Yeah, okay, I know. Go ahead. Okay, Ciscoid, Chris and Cindy and Ryan. Good lord. Uh, no, we all anyway. All the shows can be found at firewaterpodcast.com. <laughs> I'm very, very proud of the network, and I'm really, really happy with the site. And uh, you know, I have to say, I'm going to get all whatever. Just maybe because I've been gone for two months and I missed them, and now I'm regretting it. But if you guys enjoy the network site, that really is Shag's doing. I mean, Shag didn't put it together. That was our webmaster, Jeff Kilroy. But Shag was the one who really kind of, like, drove it to get it put together because I am not technically minded. And once we ran into some tech problems, I kind of, like, just sort of – I didn't give up on it, but I just didn't front load it the way I should have. And Shag really drove it. And I'm thank God that he did because I'm really, really proud of the site. And I just think it's great and so exciting to see everybody's working on different shows. And, like, Siskoid had this random idea to do a Star Trek show. And, like, three days later he had the first episode up or something like that. It was crazy. I'm working on another show. Uh, I'm happy with the movie show and things like that. So it's a really, really fun sort of diversion that we've all found ourselves doing. And I'm really, really proud of it. I, I think there's a lot of great content there and it's a lot of – very positive, uh, except for, you know, one episode aside. Uh, <laughs> it's very positive. It is really about finding your joy for the most part, and I just think it's it's terrific. And so I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. So everything can be found over at firewaterpodcast.com. I, I'm not going to go as equally mushy just because Rob said everything probably I wanted to say. Uh, but I, every day, like, my favorite part of the day is finding out what's new on the, on the network and reading the comments that everyone leaves. I mean, the site is exactly what I wanted it to be. You know, everything is there. It's easily accessible. People can leave comments right on there. It's very all-inclusive. It's and the, and the stuff like it's so exciting because like, you know what I've been you and I've been doing this for five years, but seeing other people produce stuff that's you know light years better than what we produce, quite honestly, and, and out there on the network and being part of it, it's just so exciting, so exciting. I. Over the moon. So. I, I will say this now because I said it on the recording, but I bet he'll edit it out. I think Ryan Daly's Secret Origin show is the best comic book podcast probably ever done. Now, wow. I don't, I don't listen to all of them, obviously, so maybe there's some genius level thing out there. But just – I mean as someone who has made podcasts and you too, you, like, you know how much effort goes into it. And, you know, as this episode shows, sometimes I just don't care and I really uh, cheat out. <laughs> Ryan <laughs> Ryan has never done that. You know what I mean? Like there's episodes, issues where it's like you needed three guests and he gets three guests. Mm -hmm. You know, he never, ever half-asses it. And there had to be times where I'm sure he was tempted to, but he never did. And so th those 54-odd episodes of Secret Origins I think are like the greatest podcasting achievement in terms of devoting yourself – in podcast form to a comic book series, I can't think of a, a greater achievement. And I said that to him when I recorded my segment for the final episode. I bet he'll edit it out because he probably feels embarrassed. But it's not going to get it edited out here. I am really, really proud that Secret Origins got to be part of the Fire Water Network as it sort of wrapped up. 
Because I, just... I mean, I, I, I sort as we're building the network. At one point, it didn't look like Secret Origins was going to come over. Right. Because we weren't sure we could merge the uh, iTunes feeds, and we thought it would mess up the listeners. So at one point, Ryan was going to keep it separate of the Fire and Water Network. And I mean, I begged him to try and help let me figure out a way to bring it onto the network because I, I love that show so much. And I, I guess at the time, this episode drops the issue fifty. Now it's not the final episode of the show. He's no. got one or two. He's got one more after that. But issue fifty drops um, tomorrow, I guess, for you listening. On, if you're like listening that, to yeah. this, yeah, if you're listening today, the the day this comes out, yeah. Um, it, it, I would agree. They call them index shows. I would say it is it is the best produced index show that I have heard, without a doubt. And it's, it's and there's at least eight episodes which are outstanding. Um, and I'll let you figure out what those would be all by yourself. But uh, it's it's really, really, really an amazing show and quite an accomplishment by Ryan. I mean, Rob and I had talked about doing a Secret Origins show. We were going to do that for Who's Who. And uh, Ryan has done infinitely better job than we would have done. I mean, <laughs> ours would have been complete crap compared to what he did. So I am so thrilled that he did it. So, all right, folks. Well, you can find my friend Rob over at AquamanShrine.net. You can find him on Facebook and Twitter under Aquaman Shrine as well. You can also find him under Twitter under every handle on Twitter is his. Even if you think it's yours, Rob has, a, has an access code to it. Or Film and Water Pod, Pod Dylan, Treasury Comics. Oh, give, me, give me like three more. Go ahead. Uh, I have some illustration one, but I don't remember what it is, and I can't remember the password, so I don't use that one anymore. And, of course, we also do the Aquaman Shrine handle over on Twitter, which our, our, my pal Joe runs, and it ends up being uh, much better than the shrine itself. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. You can find me as Firestorm Fan on Twitter and on Facebook, and uh, I guess that's going to do it. So, folks, head out to fireandwaterpodcast.com, go to shows, go to the Aquaman and Firestorm show, leave us a comment. Please, we would love to hear from you. Are you going to go to Heroes Con? Awesome. Uh, let us know your personal Aquaman Firestorm origins or why you love the characters or some good runs would be great. Or play the uh, three fictional characters game because it's not that hard, even if you have two months to prepare for it. Uh, it's not that hard to do. So until next time, folks, <laughs> fan the flame, ride the wave. I was a fool to ever leave your side. Me minus you is such a lonely ride The breakup we had has made me lonesome and sad I realize I love you cause I want your back I spent the evening with the radio Regret the moment that I left Show.